Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode. This time I sat down with Elliot Nell. Elliot's been playing ice hockey since the age of five. He came through the ranks of Sheffield. He's also played at Telford and Invicta. These days, Elliot's working as a barber at Honky Tonk's Barbershop in Sheffield. He talks a lot about his time growing up, playing ice hockey, and about his brother joining the army. Please like, share and subscribe and enjoy. Afternoon Elliot, mate, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, really good, pal. So just like I've said, with how we've started with all the other podcasts, just want you to do the, the checking exercise. Just give me three words to, to sort of explain how you're feeling today and at the moment. Feeling productive because I'm out of bed. It's midday. Um, talking to you, so that's something different to what I'm doing most days. And I might train in a bit, pick some weights up or something, or go out for a walk. Just trying to stay active, really. That's the main thing. So at the moment for people listening, we are in uh, third lockdown and Elliot is a barber and unfortunately he's not able to uh, work at the moment. Um, so usually he'd be in there cutting people's hair, getting people looking good. Uh, so this is a, a bit of a, a tough time at the moment, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously when you used to be in an environment where you're seeing a lot of people every day, uh, talking to different people, different stories. Um, it, it does get a bit a bit boring, really, on your own, like... And you can still talk to your mates, you can ring them and everything. And but it's just it's a bit different not being in that environment. I feel like someone like me needs that environment. I love the when it's busy, it's just it's a brilliant shop. I mean, you've been in yourself into our barbers, and it's a quality environment. And I think to be out of that for any longer than a week, even you start to miss it. Even though we work mates, you can we argue like kids sometimes, but you know what I mean? That's what makes the environment in the shop and yeah, it's just it's tough being away from that at the minute. And Harry's always the main instigator for all that bickering. Oh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so um, what we're going to do is we're just going like, to look into your journey and, and things that have happened in your life. So where did it all start? Like, Where did you grow up and what was your the social and family environment like at the time? Uh, so I grew up in Sheffield, um, a place called Norton near Graves Park. And... Um, to be fair, my early years of life, it were we've always been a sporting family. Like my dad, he used to do go-karting when he was younger. And then he always followed football and had a kick about himself. So I think the route was football to start off with. Um, I weren't any good, obviously. Being at a young age, you're not good anyway. But ice hockey came into it when it were my godparents that took me, my brother, and my mum and dad to the Steelers game. Back when um, Dennis Lee Allen, Tommy Plummer, Tim Cranston, all them all stars used to play, and I think first time I went down, I just said, "I want some skates. I want to go on the ice." Um, at that point, whether it were just to skate or to play hockey, I don't know. I just wanted to wanted to do what they were doing on the ice, and then that was it. Before I know it, I had an old second-hand pair of skates, and then I went on ice skating. I was five year old. That was yeah. it. Before. I not much went on really up until ice hockey. Yeah, I think mine was uh, quite similar. It was uh, a game on New Year's Eve in 1999 against what yeah. was the uh, Newcastle River Kings at the time. And then instantly just hooked on it. You see it's so fast, especially as a kid, you're seeing it so exciting so fast and it's easy to just get instantly hooked. Well, that's it. And as soon as they drop the gloves as well, then that's instantly something to look forward to week in week out to go and watch an hockey game do you know what I mean it's... yeah definitely a lot I of think... the time watch the hockey you go to a game hoping that there'd be a fight 
Okay, yeah, well, <laughs> we all got the third period, tough guy has to come out. Yeah, Change back in them days when it were like Dennis Fial, Scott Allison, and all those, and Barry Nankar. Yeah, remember, remember all these legends. Um, so that was your introduction to hockey and sort of like your uh, your reason for starting. So, what teams did you? Where did you go to start off with? Um, where did your hockey journey begin? Uh, first team I got into uh, Sheffield Samurai, which were under tens, and um, I was quite lucky to get in really because. Back when I first started playing ice hockey, we played out at Queen's Road, Silver Blades, which is the old ice rink. And back then, it was a really tight club. Like, you had to be, to get into a team, you had to be at a certain level of skating, a certain level of playing. You couldn't just walk into a team like you, you sometimes can these days. Clubs are asking for players. And um, so I was, I was quite lucky. But at that young age, you don't realise how lucky you are. You just you take it as it is. I've got into an hockey team. It's brilliant. And then I think I had five years in under 10s. Uh, played with some good players. I first time I got in, Ben Bounds were the keeper. Um, remember players like Danny Wood, play, all players like that. And, and that was it, yeah. Just then stayed at Sheffield all the way up until under 18s, really. Yeah. I remember like when I first started, Sheffield seemed to be quite, uh, I don't know, maybe clicky, maybe the word. It was sometimes, um, if you knew the people, you were in a, a better stance to get in. If you were yeah. a good player, you, you did stand a chance. But it was very much that Sheffield were a really good organisation, a successful club. Yeah. We were top. That, that's what, like, I understand when you say it looked like um, it were clicky um, because it were a tight family. Everyone knew each other. Um, and that I think that's what worked for us back then. And um, the old... The old head coach of uh, the club, Craig Webster, he once said when we did the vote to go to our Sheffield, he did say that the club will get too big to um, develop top players, which I agree with him to a certain extent. But then you look at Liam Kirk and think he's come from our Sheffield, he's a brilliant player, do you know what I mean? So, but I sort of get what he meant with the family side of it. Like you go down to the rink nowadays, and I'm a senior player now. and I don't know any of the under-10s players. Whereas when I was in the under-10s, all the senior guys knew the under-10s players. We knew them. And it was just, just a nice family environment. And I think it went, went along with getting results on the ice, really, having that happy environment around the ice rink. Yeah, definitely. I remember a few lads that I played roller with were like Andy Hurst and uh, Haywoods. Um, mm. And they're all in the, in that team, and they're still playing at a, a decent level now. So they've yeah. definitely produced long-lasting talent in yeah. the British game. Yeah. Well, you had, um, you had back then that came from playing backgrounds yourself, so they know the game. They know how you feel towards certain situations because they've been in them situations. So, so I think we had that good back at the old ice rink. We've still got players coaching nowadays, but I think a lot of it these days has gone on with, over the years, parents picking up ice hockey, wanting to get involved in developing kids, which is great, but you're never going to have that view from an ice hockey player if you've never been an ice hockey player. Yeah, definitely. I think, especially like with hockey, um, because it is a niche sport that's not really played that much, when parents do sometimes get involved, they haven't got that same expertise and experience, so it doesn't it comes across in a way that it's helpful because you've got the bodies there, but maybe the experience and then how that 
is perceived by the, the kids doesn't quite pass on very well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so moving forward with your, your career, you um, represented your conference uh, under 11s. And I yeah. remember with those lads who were playing roller with and who were also playing ice, when they made conference, that was a, a massive thing uh, for you as a junior. So what was that sort of uh, that achievement like? But then also what pressure was on you to then perform because you'd made it to that level? Um, getting into confidence at that age is huge. Like it's your, it's before you start playing England or anything like that. So it's just the next step up from club level. And obviously you've got all the different areas, like you've got Midlands, North, South East, South West, and it's all the best players from them areas. So it's a, it's a real honour to, to get into that situation, into that team. Um, and yeah, the, I didn't real the pressure in under 11s, it weren't, re, weren't really pressure as in, you know, you've got to be a top athlete, you know, you've got to do this and be structured. It were more, you want to win at that age, don't you? You, you go in, you go to a game, all you want to do is win. And we, are, we went on great trips. I went to Fusen in Germany, like I'll always remember that. And it was just unbelievable. It was a trip for a lifetime and that sort of things that confidence allowed you to do. Whereas we always went on trips as club level, but that were more fun and have a bit of a break from the season. And it were more enjoyable trip where conference were get your head down, try your best, see what you can make of it. So what's it like? Um, obviously these are all the best players from your conference area. What's it like then stepping in? Like you've played against a lot of them, but what's it like stepping into a change rooms? They're now your teammates and you've either got to, if you don't get on with them in the season, how do you deal with that? And how do you deal with maybe thinking, well, that lad's really good. Do you think yeah. the sort of, you put pressure on yourself in terms of your own performance or did you rise above that? I mean, I'll, I'll always remember the first ever time I went to a conference trial in Nottingham and you're all young guys, it's under 11. So you, you're what, nine, 10 years old. I mean, if you remember when you were 10 years old, you probably weren't the most talkative kids. Like you don't spring a conversation up with someone, do you? So you can remember walking into the changing room and not many people spoke. There were a couple of players from the same team that were having their own chats. And then as soon as the team was selected, it sort of had that unusual bond where you are all from different teams. Um, you're sort of all the same level um, because you've all made the conference, so you're all good enough. But you did have players with, that came from clubs with better development, like commentary with Ross Venus and David Clements, uh, people like that. They're still doing a great job now when, obviously, Elite League's allowed back on. Um, so, yeah, you do sort of... I see what I mean with the pressure, seeing good players in your team. And I think what it is, you want to be as good as that player. So you, you automatically push yourself in your, when you're in a situation like that. But, um, but no, the conference teams are brilliant. It were good to like, gel with other teams and see how other players play instead of just your own team. So, yeah, we were good. I enjoyed them times. So then, again, moving on a bit further, you make uh, the under-18s team you make the under-18s Great Britain team as well. Um, but you made your Sheffield Steel Dogs debut prior to that, or was it in the same season? I think I was... So I made GB when I was 16. And see, this is why it's hard, because I first trained up with the Steel Dogs when there was the Scimitars. Um, 
I remember I was on 18s training one night on one of the pads at Ice Sheffield and a coach called John Rowe were watching our training for a bit. And when John Rowe watches the training back then, you automatically stepped it up another level. It was just one of them coaches that has that effect on players. And, um, and then he disappeared and then came off the ice and he came up to me and said, keep your kit on, you're coming on the ice with us. So I, I didn't really have a choice really. So I went on and I was only 15. Um, I think I went on for about four training sessions and then they brought a ruling where you had to be 16 to play seniors. So obviously I had to wait until I was 16. And then by then it turned into the Steel Dogs where Shane Smith and Paisley had took it on. And, and then, yeah, I got into the Steel Dogs Academy, as it were then. Uh, benched for the Steel Dogs. Didn't get much ice time as a young guy, but I suppose as a young guy, you need to learn the roots and I don't know, watch the old guys. But looking back now, I wish I would have played. And it sort of changed my view on keeping young players on the bench now. I think, I don't know, they should be out there more instead of, just being a bookmark in front there, in the bench. Yeah, definitely. Forwards. What, uh, what maybe was it like uh, training and being around Paisy at, at that time? Um, so as a young guy, obviously, hearing things about Paisy, it's a bit intimidating, especially when you see him shake his hand. He's a massive guy. Um, but he's a character, and I think that's what worked for the dogs them few years when Paisy were in charge. Um, he came in knowing that the group of lads what he had weren't the most skillful players, but he knew he could get the work ethic out of them. And the amount of effort that got put into that team uh, for them early seasons in the Steel Dogs, even the, even still happening now, what Morgs is carrying on, you can still see they've got the same work ethic. And trainings back then were absolutely horrendous. And what I mean back then, it, by that is... On Tuesday, we used to just skate, no pucks on training. And then Thursday, he used to be more like systems and stuff like that, whereas for, for us young guys that aren't on a special team like power play or penalty kill, we were just passing pucks out of the corner most of the time and just watching the older guys play. But like I said, that's the whole part of being a young guy and finding your way into a team. Um, but yeah, he, he, used to, he used to beast us a bit. But like I said, that's how you get the work ethic out of guys and... It definitely worked. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what sort of, like, growing up, what sort of role did you play on your team? Two juniors then, as you're moving up to, like, under-18s, like, because look at your numbers, there was a few penalty minutes here and there, uh, but you were getting quite good numbers in terms of points. So what? Yeah. how did that, how did you start and how did you find that role? And how did that progress um, as you started to get older? I think at club level, with things like that, because... I made confidence at a young age, as well as like a few other lads from Sheffield. When you go back to your club level, you, you, you automatically have that, not step above your other teammates, but you've got, I don't know, a bit more experience or, uh, it's hard to explain, but there is, I don't know, it's hard to explain that one. But yeah, I don't know, how do you explain how you fall into a player that, that you were? I don't know, like for me, I, I knew I was never really particularly good at scoring, so I just put myself in front of the net and threw yeah. my body around a little bit. I, I just th sort of played to my strengths, and I probably still do the same now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like to score goals, so I started scoring goals. That was a big factor. Um, and then when you start putting points on the board, other teams see that, and then you become a player that, that gets man-marked most games, so you need to adapt to, instead of just doing your own skating pattern, 
you need to do the defenseman skating pattern and then do your own to get around the defenseman, uh, things like that. So I, I should imagine some of my penalty points came from being frustrated of being man-marked and slashing and tripping. Rubbish penalties, really, like cheap penalties. But but yeah, just I used to like being, being tense, like always being a, a big kid for my age. I did used to like throwing my weight around a bit and... Obviously, when you take the cage off and you get a bit older, you start to realise, bloody hell, he's bigger than me. If I hit him, he's going to hurt. So, but yeah, so uh, I feel my playing style changed when I made the transition to uh, seniors because in juniors, I was like a goal scorer. I'd, I'd score most games. Um, I would get assists as well. I wouldn't agree to get, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, then when I stepped up to seniors, because you're not automatically on the top line, um, you're not the top player on the team. You sort of like you go into, you start to grind more. You start to go into positions that you don't usually play to try and impress the coach to get there. And yeah, that, that's it really. You just sort of you come into your own as a player. Like things will affect you along the way. Like certain coaches will tell you one thing, the coach will tell you another thing, and you sort of got to do what works for you and. When I was younger, scoring worked for me. Probably not so much now, but yeah, I used to enjoy scoring. Cool. Um, so you alluded to me about around the age of 15 and going on that pressure started to build uh, from you and maybe from coaches or upon yourself and you, how you dealt with maybe losing as well. Like any any sport has a, that has a mental aspect to it. I know I despise losing and sometimes if I don't feel like I've uh, performed to my best I'll then go into the gym or something that night and just do something stupid to try and make up for it but how did you deal with that pressure that came upon you and then how did you uh, cope with your reaction to losing what did you maybe do to not let it get out of hand so at 15 the reason why I use the age 15 is because that's when um a lot of big things start happening in your life anyway, outside of sports. So you've got your GCSEs, things like that. And there's a lot of pressure in your academic side of life to, at that age, to get the grades, to get your future job, even though no one has a clue what they want to do at that age. Um, so you've got that aspect to it. And I mean, you know me, I'm not academically wise, I'm not the cleverest person. So that used to, I mean, ice hockey used to take my mind away from the academic side with what was going on in school and everything and probably could have concentrated more in my schoolwork but at that time a lot were going on at hockey that I was doing well at and I focused on the things I was good at which were obviously ice hockey at the time um, so that is an aspect to it as a 15 year old and then but that's when I was I think I was under 17's conference and then that's where there's a lot of pressure on getting in the England squad getting in Great Britain and obviously, that's to play for your country. That's the be all and end all. Um, for me personally, as an ice hockey player, and yeah, I just sort of not push myself more, but just I put a lot more effort in. If you, it sounds different saying I didn't push myself, but I put a lot more effort in. It were I were on the ice five times a week. Like I were, I were training up. I was playing with my own team. I was playing games at weekend, and it was just. It was a hard time to balance that with the academic side. With I was getting rubbish from my teachers saying, you need to do your work, you're not going to do this if you don't do this. And 
and I just bit, I just pointed it back on my head because when I went to the ice rink that way, I needed the ice rink at that age, to be honest. Like, it were good to get away from other things that I weren't good at. You know what I mean? So, but yeah. But yeah, yeah just what? a lot of a lot of pressure really we get it, but it's all wanting to do good for yourself and wanting to get into those teams and just make something of it like when you start at a young age like me you feel like you waste not waste your life but you've put a lot of time and effort into this and your family's put a lot of time and effort you just don't want it to be a waste so there's that automatic pressure with that aspect yeah definitely um so Obviously, you made that Great Britain team as well. And what were your experience like for those World Juniors um, when you were with that team? Um, it was good. I mean, I was only 16 when I got into the under-18s team. So I were a year younger than what I really should have been. There were me and Clemo, David Clemens, who I spoke about, who were the only two young guys that got into the team that year. And it, it was brilliant, to be honest. Like The whole setup of it were just completely different to anything I'd been used to. Like, we'd have the England under-16s, we had a school excellence where you spend a week away from your family, uh, you just train ice hockey, things like that. Um, but it was like, um, it was a first taste of the professional outlook yeah. towards ice hockey. So we had a training plan, we knew what drills we were doing before we went on the ice and all sort of often on ice testing, things like that. Um, when we... I think we went to Latvia the first year under 18s. And because I was one of the young guys, I didn't really get that much ice. Um, but saying I didn't get much ice, I still had all the training sessions, I still had all the top coaching, things like that. So you, you, you take other things from it than just playing a game in the World Championships. Obviously, you've got to see the setup and everything. And it was just a great experience. Like it were. Like I said, it was just the first taste of that professional side of ice hockey, which I think in ice hockey players, you do need to keep a professional head sometimes. And it was just a great, great lesson for that. Yeah, definitely. So uh, after your last uh, World Juniors, you moved up and you went to play for Telford, playing 37 games with Telford. What was that like moving down? Did you move down there or did you stay in Sheffield and travel? Uh, and what was it like playing up at that level and obviously getting quite a few games then? Um, so I stayed in Sheffield. I were travelling up to Telford twice a week for training and one home game at a weekend in Telford, which was a bit daunting at times, travelling all that way. But at the same time, all I wanted to do was play hockey at a good level. Um, I think how I got to Telford were from... I went to the GB under-20s camp and Andre Payet was the coach. But he didn't, he didn't select me that year. And Tommy Watkins was his assistant coach who was in charge of Telford Tigers. And a few weeks off, might even be a few days after the GB camp, he messaged me and said, look, do you want to come, and tell, come to Telford and play? And I said, yeah, definitely. Knowing that Telford's never been one of those top of the league teams, um, they've always been a team known for like, like the Steel Dogs, the work ethic, grinding games out, things like that. Um, so, yeah, I've decided to go. And I had a great season, to be honest, even though we were bottom of the EPL which it were tough for Telford because they never had big funding put into the team. They were a club run by the fans, really, which was great in a way, a club being run by the fans, because that's what you play for. And, yeah, when I first went in, I were on, um, I can't remember what's his name, a player called Seske. 
Yeah, oh, Seth. Yeah. Oh, I remember his first Dave save. Seth. And then another, another lad called Joe Henry. And um, it was quality. We were scoring goals, we were creating things. And then, I can't remember what happened. We saw things started to change around the team. Like, we were trying, because we weren't getting results in games, the, the lines were changing all the time. Um, you were playing with different people all the time to try and get that set line who you'd play with. And I think I, I think I left three weeks before the season ended, um, mainly because of financial reasons. I, I couldn't afford to travel there to Telford and because they're not being a big budget team, they couldn't afford to pay for my travel. So unfortunately, I had to, I had to leave, which that affected me a lot because it was my first real taste of being a, a senior player instead of just being a junior player playing up. And I really wanted to finish the season out, but obviously the financial reasons, I just, I literally couldn't afford it. And it, it, it was tough because I feel like that was my first real, like I say, introdu- introduction to senior ice hockey. And I wanted to make the best out of it. But, but yeah, you, you get over it, don't you? And then you just move on and then try and make something else somewhere else. Yeah, and you did do that, and you went down to Invicta uh, and played over 30 games down there, and you got to play against uh, the RAF Aces captain, Jamie McElroy, who said a, a few nice words about you. Uh, a couple <laughs> of back and forth with him, but what was that like? Because you, you obviously moved down there because it's too far to travel. What was that sort of experience like as well? Um, so the experience down at Invicta was absolutely un- unbelievable. And what I mean by that is, as an 18-year-old going down, the first thing you realise is the professional setup of the club. Obviously, you're going down there, your class is an import in a way. Obviously, you're not a foreign import, but you're coming from a different city, uh, in, from a different league as well. And the reception that I had, and one of my mates, Sean Wilde, what we both had going down as young players, it were absolutely unbelievable. The fans, as soon as we went down, the fans were so welcoming, made us feel right at home. The lads made us feel right at home and it, it was just a really good season to play some hockey get away from everything and yeah just concentrate on what you wanted to do but yeah it were a quality season absolute quality what was uh, J Mac yeah. like to play against um, big big kid <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had a few back and forth we didn't I think I was just a lippy 18 year old and I probably said to it to him, threw me against boards, and then that was it because he was a big guy. I didn't want to start over him. Um, but yeah, it were. It's one of them, isn't it? I mean, when you you hear some names about the league and everything, and McCoy was one of them names, being known to uh, drop the gloves a few times. But it's stuff like that's never really bothered me. Like when you when you're on the ice, you're all equal, aren't you? You all do. You all do your own bit to uh, beat, beat other teams, but. You were a bit intimidating sometimes. Yeah, Don't tell him. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> at that sort of level, like the things stay on the ice. Um, and obviously you play hard and like, obviously me playing rugby as well at a decent level, that sort of like all stayed on the pitch. It was a hard game. I think sometimes in a couple of experiences I've, I've had playing maybe rec hockey, that it kind of spills over and people's egos take, take over a little bit and they decide they want to do something after the game, which is not very inviting to people and kind of puts people off, but definitely playing at that higher level, you just appreciate the toughness and that it's all left 
on the ice, which is a good thing. Definitely. Well, that, like going back to when I was saying uh, how you get taught to be a professional on and off the ice, um, for me, ice hockey, that's what I've always loved about it with the physical side of it. Once it's all done on the ice, that's it. Like It stays on the ice. And that's a good thing that conference taught you as well. You play against these teams week in, week out. You'll have a bit of back and forth with a few players, dislike them or whatever. You get in the same confidence team. You get to know more about the guys. And then you take that back to your club level. You go alpha level on the ice in the game. Then after the game, you're chatting like your mates. And it's it's sort of good to have that mixture, to be like that where you can just shut off for the game, get the job done. And then after the after the game... Talk as your mates like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so after that, you went back to Sheffield uh, with Spartans, uh, and then he went to Senators. You had one game on loan with Solway in Scotland. Well, yeah. How did that come out? The the single game, and uh, was it two penalty minutes or two points? Um, I got I got two points and two penalty minutes, so I got both. But yeah, that it were it was basically Solway. They're obviously up in Scotland. Um, they were coming down to Sheffield to play Sutton. And um, because we were in a different league, we could play for a, a team in the league above. And um, it was literally, I think it was the morning before, our manager at the time messages and just said, do you want to play for Solway? They're short on players. I thought, yeah, why not? Definitely a gear go. I know a couple of the lads who played for Solway anyway, so it weren't like I wouldn't know anyone on the team. And then, yeah, it was went out and played and one of my other teammates, Nathan Britton, went out and got an hat trick as well. So it were it were a good day for the Sheffield boys, especially against um against Sutton. Like with Sheffield and Sutton, you've always got that rival with with um Sheffield players going to Sutton in the past and everything. So you it's sort of that natural rival over there. But playing for a different team other than Sheffield, it were good to and we beat them as well. So that was good. You know, I, I remember playing against Sutton in their very first season and it, I think it was the, an ice rink in Sutton and it was like a sauna. It was tiny like Grimsby and it was an absolute sauna. We, we beat them when we were playing at Bradford. But yeah, that, I'm glad that they moved over to Sheffield because it was horrendous playing in that rink. Yeah, it was. Um, so you, you finished off playing in 2018 uh, and then last season you went back, but obviously the uh, current coronavirus situation stopped you from being able to actually play. Um, what did you do in between that time? Now, I, I know you from the barbershop, so what, what got you into uh, into that career? Um, so barbering, it's something I've always I've always fancied doing. Like I've, I've always took pride in my own hair and things like that. I'm not the prettiest of kids, so when you've got hair and beard, you make most of it, don't you? And um, So yeah, I've just I always fancied it. And the reason why I never went for it in the past is because obviously ice hockey, it would have been hard to learn a trade as well as playing ice hockey full time. So I sort of, the reason I stopped hockey were sort of lost a bit of love for it, a lot of passion. because it's all I've done for 20 years or so. And I just needed that time away from it to get that love back for it and passion, which 100% has happened. Like it's absolutely killing me, all this not being able to get back on ice and everything and, it's just annoying, but that's by the by. Um, but yeah, barbering, it were, I did my apprenticeship a year ago. Um, got married in my apprenticeship year, so that's something else I did two years out. And I think, I guess, just enjoyed life a bit. Like, 
we're playing hockey, you sort of, even though it's only club level, so to speak, you know, you never, you're not the top athlete, but you always, you put pressure on yourself. Uh, you need to be ready for games. You need to be ready for training, things like that. So when your mates are going out Friday night, uh, 17, 18, getting to yeah. up, we were in the ice rink or the gym training. So I sort of, what I sort of needed to live a bit of life, so to speak. Um, but yeah, got Barbara in behind me, uh, got married, um, had a nephew, which is his right cue, bless him. Um, yeah, that's it really. Just, just been concentrating on work, um, getting my trade. And that's, I'm sort of, I'm sort of um, a stage now where I feel I can, I've got my trade, I'm, I'm at a standard where I'm happy with. Obviously, with barbering, you can always progress and progress and get better and better. Um, but I'm at a stage now where I can play ice hockey as well as uh, barbering as well. So it's, which is good because that's, that's a tough thing for a lot of hockey players that wanted to make things out of the career. There's not a lot of money over here in the sport. So you do have to dedicate a lot into it or you just go and get a normal job and drop down a few leagues or you see it happen a lot really that life catches up, doesn't it? And other things happen in your life other than ice hockey. So, yeah, definitely. Um, Cause I remember when you first got to shop at Harris on division street in Sheffield and um, it was, it's a bit like a new, a new guy coming to a new team. Like yeah. you, you get a bit of stick. You've got to do yeah. some, uh, some jobs that you maybe don't want to do, like just the, the little niff naff jobs. And I uh, love folding towels though, like that way. <laughs> folding towels, hundred percent. But like I, I seen it with Brendan as well, uh, and with Steph. But uh, the group, the group, and the team that you got there are really good. Yeah. I, I enjoy go, going all the time, and that's what I'm missing going yeah. down to the, the barber shop. Um, so as well as as your side of things, and uh, with hockey and barber and all that. Uh, your brother was in the army in the Yorkshire regiment. Um, obviously it's from an RAF perspective and uh, you only think about sometimes yourself in your situation. What's it like on the other side uh, as a sibling of someone who's gone into the armed forces? Um, instant pride. Like that's the first feeling you get. Like I could, even though I were, my brother Ollie were only young uh, when he went in. So I was obviously four years younger. Um, and yeah, first feeling I got, I was just so proud, like really proud. Um, and then when he goes away, you say bye, you get a bit upset and you don't see him for ages. And then the first time you see him is uh, either the, I think they have an opening day in, at Catrick in the six weeks training, not six weeks, in the basic training. Um, and then you see him at the passing out parade. And I remember just absolutely bawling my eyes out at his passing out parade. Can't even tell you why. I think it was just all overwhelming. Like I'm suited and booted, not seen him for ages. Um, it was just again that proud feeling. Um, and then you saw it's not the it's not the sense of loss because you know they're still there, they're just somewhere else. Um, but me and my brother were close when we were younger. Like we used to play out together with mates, and we used to argue over PS2 things like that. And we used to have that proper brother relationship. You know what I mean? We were proper boys. So you do sort of feel that that sense of loss. And it does. My mum always says that I was like a lost sheep when he'd gone. I was just, I don't think I was wondering about house, but I was just thinking of what to do with myself and, and things like that. But again, ice hockey at the time took my mind away from it and it was a great help. Um, 
But we always used it was like a family thing when Ollie would call home and everything. I'd be out playing out. My mum would shout me from end of the street and Ollie's on the phone coming towards him. So yeah, it was like uh, it was sort of it sort of had that superstar status in my mind. You know what I mean? It were doing something absolutely brilliant, something that I've never in a million years could do. Um but yeah, the the main thing were proud, just feeling proud of him, um, and then like I said, that sense sense uh, sense of loss. Yeah, was it, so right around the time that he was in uh, Herrick and Afghan was kicking off. Was there a, a sense of fear after the realization that the pride and then realizing what's going on in the world? Was there a sense of fear that ever crept in? Yeah, definitely. Like. Again, being at a young age, you don't really know what is going off in the world. It all seems surreal to you at that age, doesn't it? Um, but when it really hit home that there's a danger aspect of it is when I can remember I used to go on a session skating every Friday night with a couple of my mates. And one of my mates, Spencer Johnson, went down with him. And we'd been on the ice for about, must be about five minutes, and I just broke down crying. Um, didn't know why and everything. I just felt right emotional. And... We'd just been told that he were going out to Afghan. Um, I think they give him two week notice or something like that. And um, so that feeling, in, that feeling of like finding out that bloody hell, he's going to a war zone. Do you know what I mean? Like this things could happen that you hear about, and you start to worry, you know, to start to worry and all that. But yeah, and then I mean, look, I say this from a brother point of view. Luckily. He, he never went to Afghan because he got an horrible injury in training uh, before he went. But but yeah, it were, the mentality of Ollie being in the army changed quickly when we found out there was a chance of him going to war. It weren't just a job then. It weren't just a career for him. It was that was his life. You know what I mean? He was putting his life on the line for his country, which, like I said, I'd never be able to do in a million years. So obviously. Um... In the regiment, their predominant role is as infantry and going out there and fighting. Um, when he didn't get to go to Afghan, they've done all this build-up. What was his mentality like, and what maybe changes did you see in him at that time? Massive changes, really. I mean, the reason he didn't end up going to Afghan is because he did have a lot of rain over the, the few weeks prior to going out to Afghan, and they were doing bayonet training. Um, he jumped in a puddle and his, his leg just snapped in half. So obviously he weren't fit to go. Um, and I think that had a massive impact on him um, not being able to go uh, to Afghan. Um, because first time I like really no noticed it affected him with one New Year's Eve where he'd obviously broke his leg, he'd not gone to Afghan, but his battalion still went out. Um, and you'll know yourself, you you all your mates in your battalions and that, but you have a few certain mates that you, you know what I mean? You're close to and things like that. And um, 10 of his close mates went out and all three came back and he found out that news and it was sort of, his mentality, well, I noticed his mentality changed massively then because he sort of felt, he said he felt guilty that he weren't there. And he says he's been trained to go, he needs to go. So it was sort of a, it was strange for someone like me on City Street that don't really, I've not been, what can you say, what, I've not been taught to get in the same frame of mind to go to war and things like that. So me seeing that from my brother, who I thought I knew, it was quite strange and sort of, 
yeah, it, it was just strange. It were it was upsetting, but at the same time, it were you still had that sense of pride knowing that he had that feeling towards, uh, let's say his brothers. You know what I mean? His brothers in the army and things like that. So, yeah, it affected him a lot that situation. Do you know if um, the armed forces ever? supported him with that or did he did he even seek help or what was his mindset to maybe seeking some assistance with that maybe issue that he was having and the bereavement um honestly i i couldn't tell you i don't know that side of it um i know they did adapt his role with his job within the um battalion he went on to do i think he went to be a lance corporal on the motor mechanics side of it knowing that he couldn't his leg, it were it were a horrible break, so the chances of it repairing hundred percent were difficult, like so so they adapted his role quite well. But I think as far as the support goes, uh, with the mental health side of it, I couldn't tell you with if he received support or not. So but, but big thing with Ole with going in the army, he went in when he I think he was 18, 19, so he were young. And um a few years prior to that, we lost my granddad. And Ollie, we were really close to my granddad. Well, we both were. And uh, he took it quite hard. He went through a lot of he had anger management, had some counselling sessions. So I think going in the army was good for Ollie. It was something that he needed to channel his energy, channel his aggression, something like that. So I think that also uh, goes towards a feeling of guilt when he weren't able to go out to Afghan. And because that, that's what he wanted to do. You know what I mean? It's like... You want to do something, you get told you can't, you automatically piss off and feel upset, don't you? So but yeah, I think yeah. I think that had a big impact on him with my granddad dying when we were younger. And then you sort of saw his mental health uh progress with the army. Do you know what I mean? It were it were in a good place, it were fit, it were healthy, doing something that he enjoyed, and then obviously the accident happened. And then that was it, really. I just think he, he started to put a lot of other things into aspects and I don't even know if that's the right word to use, but anyway. Perspective. Perspective, that's the one. Yeah, so like just starting to wrap up, mate. Um obviously as as we said at the start, um, you usually be in the shop in that social environment. What sort of things are you doing at the moment for yourself to help with your own mental health in this current situation as a lot of people are struggling? Is there anything that you've put in place to sort of help yourself get through this period? Um just mainly trying to stay busy. That's that's the main thing for me. I think when you so when you sit on a set E, put the telly on, go on your phone, and you just find yourself scrolling through social media, social medias, and you're not even looking at your phone. You're just scrolling. You know what I mean? And I, it's easy to fall into that trap. And I've tried not to get into that trap. Um, so yeah, just staying busy. And obviously, when we're going back to ice hockey, there's a fitness side of it. So. Uh, me and Amy, my wife, we've been going on walks every day, been picking the weights up, doing bits of fitness I can uh, off the ice. So, yeah, just staying busy. Um, I've had my downtimes, don't get me wrong, like with obviously being told you can't do your trade that you've just spent past two years learning. It's a bit of kicking teeth, but obviously understand why we're doing things like we're doing and just got to keep going really, aren't you? Just got to keep going. Um, so, just last one, mate. What's what's the future looking like for you in terms of um, well, predominantly with ice hockey? Where are you wanting to go? What's your aspirations with the team in Sheffield uh, and maybe in other things? What have you got coming up? Hopefully, um, 
I'd be happy being Steeler Dan, to be honest. The Steelers. <laughs> uh, I think that's my dream role these days. It used to be go and play for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but as I'm older, I think go and be Steeler Dan. You don't no, need the head, you've got the beard already. No, tell me about it. It's <laughs> uh, no, in all seriousness, um, I mean, like I said, we've had, I've had two years out of ice hockey, so I've got that love bag for it. I want to put everything back into it. Like I'm, I mean, I'm still only young, really. I'm 26 years old, so I've still got a good few years back at it. Um, so, yeah, just put everything I've got into it, really. I've got nothing to lose now. And I'm excited. I'm very excited. I think knowing that I'm going back to hockey and the season's getting back up, playing, that's helped a lot with channeling my energy towards that instead of thinking about the down things and, oh, this is rubbish, that's rubbish. I've just been thinking about getting back to hockey. It's good. Some normality. Well, that's it, mate. And it's been really good to talk to you. And uh, it's obviously nice to, that you're getting back into the sport. Can't wait to for the barbershop to open so we can get his mop chopped. But like, as, with the shop as well, you obviously got that little bit of a, a military side to it. Obviously, you've got the, one of my lids. You've got a para beret up there, and you've got the stuff from your brother. So that's always nice coming in and see uh, that yeah. little bit of connection. But yeah, it's been really good to talk to you, mate. Yeah. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, pal. Yeah, nice one. Cheers, mate.